we're talking about things that God has promised to us, to, to His people, to those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. Some of the things that He has promised to us that we can count on, that can be 100% guaranteed. And last week we talked about uh, that God has guaranteed that He will never change His mind about me. You know, when I become a child of His, I don't have to worry or panic or be on the edge of my seat that He'll defriend me, right? That, that He'll uh, say, you know what? No more. I'm done with you. I've tried my best. You're, you're out. We never have to worry about that. But between you and me, uh, sometimes I don't always act like his kid. Do you know what I mean? Is there, is there anybody else out there like that? <laughs> right? I mean, you can ask my wife. Uh, actually, maybe you better not. Uh, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I have failures. I have my own signs, right? I have the, my own things that I would hold up and say, this seems to define me, right? This seems to be my mistake, and everybody sees it. And you know, we seem to be quite far from the standard of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about rules and regulations, you know? I'm not talking about uh, trying to, to make God like me. I'm talking about becoming more like Him. That's His desire for our lives. But uh, we have this gap, don't we? We, we know uh, between what we know we should be a part of and what should be a part of our lives and what actually is. And just so you know, you're not alone in that. And I'm not alone in that. The Corinthians struggled with this. Look, there's two books <laughs> written to the Corinthians, right? They didn't get it enough the first time, so they needed a second book, right? I'm kind of like that. I need it a couple times. Paul struggled. Romans chapter 7, towards the end of that passage, Paul tells us the things that, that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I know I should do, I don't do. What is going on with that? Peter struggled with that. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 12, it talks about how Peter uh, decided that he wasn't going to eat with the Gentiles anymore. Now that, whoa. Peter, I mean, he's like one of the big shots, right? He's one of the guys who has it all together. And you can see the weakness in our own lives, can't you? And uh, a few weeks ago, Jeff Butler shared with us uh, and, and one of the things that struck me that he said was that, that God left in all the warts when he wrote the Bible, right? He didn't, he didn't gloss over it, and he didn't make it all perfect. He didn't say, uh, you know, this person was amazing, and wow, and he said, no, this person was messed up. But I used them. I did something powerful and strong in their lives. So I don't know about you, but I'm kind of left sometimes going... I'm not always acting like his kid. And then we see verses that, that challenge us to move forward in our relationship with him. And he promises us, here's his promise for you today, that he will transform your life. You know, he loves you so much. He loves you just the way you are, but he's not going to leave you there. He's not going to say, okay, that's good enough, no further, I, I'm, I'm getting you into eternity. That's it, right? Verses like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 say, 
but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Oh, sure, that's easy, right? Yeah, I can do that. Sign me up. And another word that has the same idea and the same root as holy is this word sanctified. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, This is the will of God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there are so many times where I cry out to God, Okay, God, what is your direction for my life? Where is it that you want me to go? What is it that you want me to do? What is your will for my life? And here in this verse, it tells us exactly what his will is for us. And before I tell you, just think about this. If God is saying, I want to do this, do you think something's going to get in his way? <laughs> right? In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, it says, This is the will of God, your sanctification. And this word sanctified means to be set apart for his purpose and clean for his use. You know, in, in the Old Testament, you'll see this word used in the temple where, where all the items in the temple, temple were called sanctified or holy or set aside. They, they, were, they were put aside for a special use as, as a part of worship to God. They were kind of just, uh, they weren't your everyday bowl, right? You don't take your cereal bowl and come before the Lord to worship. I mean, we can do that now. But, uh, you know, as, as uh, the Old Testament shares with us, there is this idea of being sanctified, of, of an, even an item being used for a specific purpose, being uh, set a, apart for his purpose. There were certain festivals in the Old Testament that God sanctified or, or called holy. He was saying that these are special days with a special purpose and a benefit for your lives. And he told the Jewish people, sanctify this in your heart. He says, set this time apart in your life as a special time with me and you. A time of worship. A time of fellowship. That's why we call them holy days. They were days that were dedicated to a specific purpose. Even parts of, of the flock and, and grains were sanctified or set apart to be used for worship, right? You see this principle of, of tithing continued at, throughout his word, of setting aside a portion of what he has blessed us with and giving it to him. It's his, it's for his purpose. In the same way, when God does a sanctifying work in you, it's not only about how we generally think of holy. We generally think of holy as uh, uh, righteous, sinless, perfect, right? And yes, that's true, but there is an aspect to this holiness that is to be set apart for his use. It's about uh, the purpose, the plan that he has for our lives and, and how we are made to glorify him. We were made for his use. We're made for a special purpose. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We're kind of going to be coming back to this verse, so uh, if you would, go ahead and you can even take uh, uh, whatever is in, in front of your seat, in the seat pocket in front of you, just take that and, and stick that in um, to uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, because we're going to be coming back to it uh, frequently, okay? But God has guaranteed 
sanctification in the believer's life. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement. He is guaranteed that there will be a transformation in your life. And you know what? You might be further along than you think. So what does it look like? How does God set us apart for His purposes? How does God refine us? You know, excuse me, this may surprise you, but if you've trusted Christ, you're already sanctified. Wow. That's pretty incredible, right? We are transformed, God's Word says. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, uh, Paul says, for I am confident of this very thing. I am sure of this very thing. I, you can count this, you can write it down. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that beginning part, <laughs> that he began a good work in you. He's already started something in you. And you know, there are lots of different ways that, that God's Word describes what happens when someone's life is turned over to Him. When someone puts their faith and trust in Christ and what He did for them on the cross. He, said he, he talks about it in terms of salvation. Words like redemption. Words like justification and freedom. And that's just a few of them. And they are all unique ways that demonstrate God's work in your life. But he says that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, this is another one, we are sanctified. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, He, Jesus, said to the Father, Behold, I have come to do your will. <laughs> Remember, we just talked about how, how uh, uh, the Bible said that what is the will of God for your life? your sanctification, right? And Jesus was sent by the Father to fulfill that will, to fulfill that purpose. It says, and he said to the Father, behold, I have come to do your will. In verse 10, it, Paul writes, by this will, because of what Christ did for us, as he changed our lives, as he transforms us, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Because it's done. <laughs> you are sanctified. I have set you apart. I have set you aside. I am going to have a purpose and a plan for your life. You've been sanctified through Him. You know, that sounds great and all, but maybe you say, but you don't know my struggle with sin, right? You don't know. If, if God is calling me sanctified, if God is calling me holy, uh, there must be a miscommunication here because I am not perfect. We're going to talk about that more in a minute, but consider this. The church at Corinth was messed up. Seriously, there was fighting and bickering. You know, they were trying to destroy the reputation of godly people. There was immorality that would make you cringe and it was all inside the walls of the church. And you know what? Paul calls them out on each and every one of those. He says, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is what needs to happen in your lives. 
This is how you need to let God work in your lives. But knowing all of that, knowing all of their issues, knowing all that was, was wrong in their lives, listen to how he begins his letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 2 says, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. Saints by calling. That's not how I would start a letter to a church like that, right? I wouldn't start by saying, you are sanctified. You are holy. God has a plan for you. God has something amazing in store for you. To be called a saint, are you kidding me? That doesn't describe this place. And he says, with all who in every place call on the name of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, they can be grouped into this uh, calling of, of saints, of being sanctified. You know, he wasn't pulling any punches. He wasn't trying to be nice before he brought the smack down, right? He was reminding them of who they were in Christ, who they already have been established to be in Christ. And it was a part of the challenge of, of uh, the work that God was going to do in their lives. It was a part of, based on this, based on what Christ has done in your lives, here are some steps that you need to take. Here's some direction that you need to go. It was to, con- to let God continue his work in them. And then he has that last part, just in case that you said, well, that's the Corinthians, that's all good, but it's, it, it's not for me. It says that anyone with all who are in every place who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. We have this commonality. We have this, this trust in him. If you have that, you are called a saint. You are called perfect and holy and set apart for his use. We have been powerfully and wonderfully transformed it's a part of his promise to us. But he doesn't say, you know, don't worry about sin. Don't worry about the struggles in your lives. Don't worry about being set apart for my purposes. Just go ahead and live life. Just, just float down the river. He says, no, no. I want to do a work in you. And that is just the beginning. My salvation is just the beginning for your life. And we go... Just a beginning. <laughs> wow. What a beginning. But not only have we been transformed, but he promises us that we are being transformed. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, turn back there. Uh, find your place there. It says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. That word, that idea of perfect it, has this thought of bringing it through to the end. Bringing it through to completion. Not leaving you here, and not all of a sudden you're there. It's, let's carry you along. It speaks of a significant change in our lives. God desires to see our lives transformed to look more like His Son, Jesus. That's quite a tall order, isn't it? I mean, have you read the Gospels? Have you read about 
who Jesus is and what he did? Have you read the rest of his word? Are you kidding me? You want me to be like him? There's no way. What is the work that he's doing in my life? What does his sanctification look like in my life? Well, would you turn with me to, to 2 Timothy chapter 2? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. Second Timothy 2.20. Paul is giving instructions to Timothy to remind the believers that he's teaching about God's work in their lives. Paul is saying, okay, Timothy, I want to make sure that you communicate this with other believers that, that you're leading, that, that you're uh, sharing my truth with, sharing God's truth with. He gives this picture, this illustration. He says in verse 20, now in a large house, really the idea is, is even of a palace. In a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels. Uh, I don't have those in my house, by the way. But uh, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. You know, at, at my house growing up, we had uh, a china set in our living room. And you know, it was in one of those cabinets, the china cabinet, right? And you know, we didn't eat on those every day. There was something special. There was something they were set aside for a particular use, for a particular purpose. You know, and they really kind of enthralled me as a kid. I don't know what it was. It was the, maybe it was the design or maybe it was the, the, the strange things that you're trying to figure out now. Is that a bird or is that a... Oh, I have no idea what that is. But uh, there was... Um, you know, most of the time we, we used regular plates, right? And sometimes even paper plates that you just threw away, you got rid of, right? But when the china came out, you knew that something special was happening. You knew that, that uh, maybe it was at Christmas or maybe it was Thanksgiving or maybe it was uh, a special meal with guests. When the china came out, we knew the meal and the people we shared it with we're going to be special. And God wants to use your life for his guests. He wants to set out his best to a world who needs him. And part of this process of sanctification, part of what God is doing in our lives is to say, you have a purpose, you have a special role in my work, and this is how we're going to get there. In verse 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Look, that's the direction that God is, is moving us in. That's the direction that he's seeking for our lives, is, is for our lives to be a reflection of him, so that he can use us, so that he can uh, allow others to see what God has done and is doing in our lives. And some of the following verses, they talk about what that looks like. Verse 22 says, Flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. He says, grow up. And you know, that's not meant to be a, well, would you just grow up already? It's meant to be a, okay, it's time. I'm doing something in your life. You were not intended to stay as an infant 
for the rest of your life. Just grow in me. Would you allow me to do a work in your life? And he continues with more instructions about what it looks like to mature in him, to continue in the sanctification process in our lives. Let me share with you, though, when God can use you, when God brings you out, when, when you're the China, it's not something to be prideful about. Because in this picture, you're still a plate. <laughs> you're not the king. And our job, what God has given us, the role he's given us, is to be a declaration of the glory of our king. There's a purpose that you can only fulfill as you grow in him. As, as he grows you, you will be able to fulfill his promises. You will be able to fulfill his glory. You will be able to fulfill the sanctification that he has in store. But that can't be fulfilled in your life if you try to stay as you are. If you just say, you know what, Lord, that's great. <clears throat> I'm thankful for the sanctification. I'm thankful that you set me apart for your work but I'm just going to kind of hang out here for a while. He says, grow in me. He says, don't be the paper plate. Allow me to use you. Allow me to change you. Allow your life to be a trophy of his grace. So then the question comes, so what about my struggle with sin? <laughs> you know, I, I may be set apart and I may have a goal of sinning less in my life and allowing God to do this work in me, but it's a struggle. Can anybody relate to that? It is a struggle. I want you to think about this for a second. God's Word tells us that without the conviction of the Holy Spirit and His working in our life, we won't struggle with sin. <laughs> Instead, we'll just go along with it. If we don't have God's work in our lives, if we don't have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're just going to say, I don't see a problem with this. I don't see what the big deal is. I, I don't need to change this. I don't need to be transformed. What are you talking about? But the struggle is actually an indication that God is working, that he's doing something in you, that he's showing you this is not right for your life. This is not helpful for your life. Let's do something about it. He's saying that I'm not going to allow you to stay where you are. And he's calling us to move forward in the struggle, in the battle with sin. He says, don't give up. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, if we, have, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. If we say, oh, I don't have to worry about sin. I don't have to worry about getting right with God. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. He says, you're fooling yourselves. You're out of touch with reality. It's impactful. It's detrimental. It's a part of your life right now. Because if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So when we struggle with sin, when we acknowledge the struggle, when we acknowledge God, I have problems here, we're allowing Him to be truth in us. We're allowing His truth to impact our lives. Don't ignore your sin. 
But here's the key in, in verse 9 of 1 John chapter 1. It says, okay, so all of us have this problem. What do I do with it now? As a believer, as someone who has put their faith and trust in Christ, what do I do when I sin? It says, but if we confess our sins, if we say the same thing about sin that he says, if we say, yeah, God, I am on the same page about this with you, I struggle with it, yes, but I know that it's not right for my life. It's not good for my life. As he reveals that to you, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Are you kidding me? When we talk about this sanctification, when we talk about God setting us aside, not only does he, he set us up for a purpose, not only does he have a plan for our lives, he says, you know what? Let's move forward. Let's do something about this sin in your life. And I'm going to take care of it. <laughs> He's faithful and just. He has promised us that he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, know that you're not alone in your struggle. But it doesn't mean that, well, if everybody else is struggling with this, I guess it's not worth fighting against. Says, you know, we, I might as well give up. I might as well give in. No, it just means we're together in this. And, and that's why God has called us together as a local gathering of believers to encourage one another in the struggle, to strengthen one another. So how does that happen? What tools does God use to bring this kind of sanctification? How does God bring this about in our lives? You know, as Jesus was finishing up his ministry on earth before his death and burial and resurrection, he was equipping his disciples for life after he was gone. And the primary guide that he gave for sanctification was the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, this is what Jesus is saying, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a guide for our lives to draw us away from sin and to become more like Christ. That's a part of his role in our lives. In John 14, 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. I, I, love, I love that word, the helper, because I need a lot of it, right? And as I come to him, he says, look, I, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be a helper for you. That's why God sent me. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I, all, all that I have said to you. It says all the teachings that I have laid before you, all of, all of uh, what I have been uh, sharing with you about having a right relationship with God, about becoming more like uh, his son, Jesus Christ. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to remind you, is going to impact your life and say, let's move that way. Okay, let's not go that way. Another guide for sanctification that God has given us is his word. In John 17, verse 17, as Jesus was praying to the Father about his disciples, this, this is what he says. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I love that. I love the simplicity of that. 
He says, sanctify them. Do a work in their lives in, in a way that is uh, just, you can't deny it. In a way that is truthful, in a way that is honest. And where do we find that direction? Where do we find that guidance? In his word. In what he has spoken to us. And we find his word primarily through his scripture. Through the way that God has, has laid out uh, his promises, has laid out his future for us, has, has recorded how he's worked in, in the lives of others. We can learn so much. We can grow so much. We can allow his work his sanctification to be a part of our lives as we grow in Him and His Word. But then there's a couple methods that aren't our favorite. But they're very effective in that sanctification process in our lives. And one of them is correction or discipline. You know, this is especially um, pertinent since we're learning to do that with our two kids, right? And there's plenty of opportunities, let's just say that, to work on, okay, how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? How do we bring about correction? But in Hebrews chapter 12, verses uh, 7 and 8, it says, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? says that is the role of a father is to bring discipline into the lives of his kids. Why? Because he hates the kid? Because he doesn't want him to be a part of his life? Because he wants to just ship him out somewhere? No, he says, because you're my son. Because you're my child. I want to do a work in you. I want to bring about correction in your life. It doesn't always feel good, but it's important for our lives. Verse 8 says, but if you are without discipline... If you don't have the correction of God in your life, if you don't have God pointing out problems in your life and saying, let's do something about it, it says, if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, all of those who are believers have experienced God's discipline in their lives. It says, if you are without discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Says there's something deeper. If you are not experiencing the correction of God in your life because he uses it because he loves you and he wants to bring this about in your life. The whole point of discipline is to illustrate in a small way the effect of sin in order to keep us from feeling the full consequences of sin. Isn't that true? When we discipline our children, yes, there's pain, but I can tell you a spanking hurts less than being in the middle of the road where they shouldn't be and having the consequences of sin, right? The consequences of disobedience when a car comes by. Correction for our lives is not a means of, of God uh, and His desire to sever a relationship with you. That's not why He brings correction. In fact, these verses say that if there is correction, if there is uh, uh, this that's taking place in, in my life, it's yet another indication that I am his and he is mine. He'll never turn his back on us. God also uses trials in our lives. And we've talked about this before in James chapter 1. But I also want to share with you from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse, verse 16. 
Uh, I'm sorry, verse 6. And he was talking to those who have experienced intense trials, intense persecution for their faith. And this is what he says. This is what Peter says. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Yay! (laughs) Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, that is of greater worth than gold, which, which perishes even through, though refined by fire, that the genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, yes, there are difficulties in your life. Yes, there are trials in your life. But guess what? I'm going to use that. I'm going I'm to refine your life through the sin that's all around you. I'm going to do something in your life that is amazing, and God will get the glory. God is accomplishing His work in our lives, and He's given us tools in the process. And I want you to have no doubt, it is His work. It's Him that can change us and mold us and and provide this direction for our lives. But we can either follow Him, or we can hold back His work in us. I'm so thankful that God has transformed my life, that he has set my life apart for a particular purpose, ultimately for his glory. And I'm thankful that in this life, I can look and act more like Jesus Christ. And those around you are going to be thankful too. But I am thrilled that it doesn't end there. That God's promise to us is not just a journey with no end. He says that one day this process will take a leap into perfection. One day he's going to completely rid your life and mine of sin. One day we will be complete vessels of honor for his use for all of eternity. That's a lot longer than life. One day we will be transformed. Look at that verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 again, the, the verse that you marked. It says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Until that day when he returns. Until that day when he reveals himself. Uh, what a, a, a work that he's going to do in us. And he will perfect it. He will bring it to completion. He will finish it. Philippians chapter 3, a little bit later in in the book, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he's going to do. He will transform the body of our humble state. We're not perfect yet, right? We won't be perfect yet. He will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. That means we're going to look exactly like Christ in all that we say and all that we do. And I love this. It says, uh, who, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. I love that word exertion. Because it, it kind of reminds me, yep, there's going to be a lot of work, <laughs> right? 
There's going to be a lot that he's going to do very quickly, but it's, it's a, a strong uh, uh, desire. It's a strong um, statement of where we are and where he's going to bring us. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, it says, Now may the, peace of, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. When Christ returns, we will be finally and completely changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 56 says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, when God transforms our lives, says, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a day a final victory. You know, as we think about these different aspects of, of sanctification in, in our lives, I think about First uh, Chronicles 23 that talks about how David was preparing the materials to build the temple and how Solomon would later build that temple. But part of those plans were the, the use of the cedars of Lebanon. They were known for their strength and their beauty and, and David had set those uh, trees aside for a particular purpose. They were set aside for the house of God. So if a builder came up and said, you know, I'd like to use those trees for, for my project, the guy who's in charge would say, no, 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 you can't use these. These are set aside for a special purpose. These are set aside for the temple. And as the wood was being uh, carved and shaped in the wood shop or, or at the construction site in Jerusalem, as it was being molded into its intended pur purpose, if someone came in off the street and said, you know, I'd like to buy that. That looks like a, a great, it would be a great mantle over my fireplace. They'd say, no, no, it's not for sale. This is special. This is particular. This has been set aside for the temple for a reason. And then one day when the temple was completed, the beauty that the cedars added to the temple was evident for all to see. And we went, wow, that is amazing. This, this is the purpose. This is what those cedars were set apart for, something they never imagined that they would become. And we're a lot like those trees. You know, God has uh, had a vision in mind for us that all who who looked at us would say, what, there's no way that you're going to get that from that, <laughs> right? But we were stamped as special and set apart. He brought us into his capital. He gathered us together as a church and started to do some work on us. And God saw the finished product before the work even began in our lives. And one day, when we appear with him in glory... We uh, will have uh, a completed work that nobody would have believed. 
Not because we're talented pieces of wood. Not because that we've done something ourselves. But because he is a talented craftsman. He has promised, he has guaranteed our full and complete sanctification. Father, we come before you and we are blown away. that you would call us special, that you would call us set apart. It's hard to believe because I know my own imperfections. I know my own struggles. Lord, I am so thankful that you don't just leave us to figure it out on our own. You're doing that work in our lives. You are bringing about a transformation in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you will bring it to completion, that you will finish what you start. What a wonderful promise. I look forward to that. I can't wait for that. Lord, I will allow your work in my life today.